Hello and welcome to It'll Be Alright in the 90s, a podcast that will always pay its respects to the fallen legends of the 90s, which is something we'll be doing later today with the episode. But before we get to that, how are you, Stu? Uh, I'm very sombre today. It's a sombre occasion. Um, I feel as if I'm at a wake. Uh, we are not so much mourning the loss of, but celebrating the life of children's ITV, particularly in its glory days for me in the 1990s. And I am going to try and prove to you tonight that CITV was equal to, if not better than, CBBC. Well, it's going to be a very tough task. I wondered why you were wearing a black suit, but it <laughs> makes sense now. And I've got the black armband on the black suit as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I couldn't see that because of the, the, the colours. But um, we, Yeah, I we should have maybe worn a grey suit and then you would have been able to see it. I, I don't know. It's, yeah. Well, you were emotional. like You, you weren't thinking uh, necessarily as rationally as usual, so <laughs> fair enough. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is sponsored by Mothercare. So for all of you new or expectant parents out there, make the most of this offer by going down to your local branch of Mothercare and quoting the code ALLRIGHT90s to get a £5 gift voucher to spend on anything in store. So whether it's clothing, cots or comforters you're after, Mothercare has got what you need. So thank you very much to this episode's sponsor, Mothercare. Great deal. Thanks so much to Mothercare for helping us out. Fond memories of their flagship bath store. And of, of my mum uh, reading Practical Parenting magazine as well. Uh, that, that memory seems to go hand in hand with, with trips to mother care when I was very young. Yeah, I remember a few issues of that hanging around the house. So I don't know whether she bought the magazine at mother care. Maybe she did. Don't know. But uh, I reckon it probably it, had some vouchers in the back, didn't it? Discount of course, of course. Cut them out and then headed down there. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, makes complete sense. Time now for the mailbag. We have a few things in this this week, actually. A few things from, from all our various channels, whether that's social media or... Well, actually, no, they are our channels, aren't they, social media? They think mm-hmm. they're all coming from social media. And this first one actually comes from youtube it's a comment under one of our recent episodes i think films on 93 uh, apologies to channel nem here who who made this comment uh, and of course as usual we haven't <laughs> haven't come across it for a good few weeks so i'm i'm only just reading it out but we will always get to your messages eventually that's that's the main policy we try to adhere to isn't it yeah i mean we just don't have the staff in the office i mean you heard about how jeff's doubling up all over the place in, yeah. in various different roles and he's fitting in being a full-time freemason as well so yeah. it's no wonder that we're we're drowning in the backlog but we, we will try our best yeah so neil from channel m this is in relation to our most 90 slang word discussion that we had around this time and he says the most 90 slang word for me is chava which is another word for chav but used in the northeast of england it seems to be used less and less now with the word chav taking its place uh, can remember this starting to be used when I was in secondary school around 95 to 96-ish. I mean, Chav, obviously, uh, a, a maligned word generally these days uh, for good reason, I think. But Chava, a sort of regional variation. I'm always interested in regional variations of of anything uh, to do with language. So that that's a good one there. Interesting interesting to hear that. Thanks, Nem. Uh, um, can you let us know what you called 4040 in, by the way, up your way, please? Because yeah. that's, that's, that's another one that we're interested in. I wonder if it's Relievo because husband of the pod Craig called it Relievo, but he's from Newcastle, which is a, a very different part of the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And I would never ever want to conflate the two, but that would be my guess. But yeah, do let us know, Neil. Uh, he also says 
Jurassic Park was the first movie I was allowed to go to the cinema on my own without anyone's parents and just my mates. The main thing which stood out for me was the movie reel went wrong and the picture flipped and started showing the film upside down. <laughs> it happened just as the kids had entered the kitchen when they were running away from the raptors. I just thought it was part of the movie and it was some sort of anti-gravity rule. My friends obviously took the mick when I told them this, but come on, it's a movie about a dinosaur theme park with real-life dinosaurs, yet an anti-gravity seems too far-fetched. I mean... <laughs> I love a good cinema error. I think I've mentioned before about the power cut during Mrs. Downfire that my mum experienced. Yeah. Um, but you got to adapt. You just, you know, you get up, you, you turn your head upside down until until the picture writes itself. You can't let anything get in the way of the movie, surely. Especially not a movie like that. Absolutely. Um, he also says on the, this was a different episode, a birthday episode, I think. He says, congrats and belated happy birthday, well, happy second birthday. I must say I'm going to spam the poo out of your comment section over here on YouTube uh, for each new podcast release, just so I can make the third year anniversary honours list. Um, <laughs> we all, always appreciate spam on our YouTube videos because we won't see them for yep, keep it there. three and six months. So spam away. What have you got over there, Stu? Well, I have got a message from our correspondent, Stu Zanoni. Always good to hear from another Stu when we're getting correspondence in. Uh, he says, hi, guys. Love the podcast. Thank you very much. Listen to A Fleet of Dolphins today. And I think that was our best games of 90 to 94 episode. Was it? If I remember rightly with the episode title. It makes me think of Wreck of the Dolphins. So that would make sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he goes on to say, I wasn't too sure if you knew about this Amiga I grew up with the Amiga myself and absolutely loved it. It turns out they made a mini one last year, which I got as a Christmas present. It comes with 25 games built in, but I ended up buying a pre-installed USB from Etsy with about 500 games on it for a tenner. I thought it might be of interest. Keep up the good work. So thanks very much for getting in touch, Stu. Uh, Alex, as the Amiga file amongst us, if I can use that term, um, how, how are you taking this news? Well, this is very exciting. I I was aware of it. This was something that me and brother of the pod. But speaking of which, I've been thinking, we just can't shake the title brother of the pod. I know he's actually not that anymore. He's legend of the pod. Mm -hmm. But it's fine. I'm finding it so hard to shake. I'm wondering if actually he should hold two positions. You know how like military leaders will have different ribbons and yeah, yeah and maybe yeah. it is okay to have two positions and he would be brother and legend but we refer to him as brother of the pod. Just, I mean, maybe I'm just being lazy because I can't, I can't change out of my ways, but well, this is a podcast about specifically not changing out of your ways. So, mm -hmm. Well, we'll have to um, check the constitution and then if it's constitutionally legal, we'll have to put it through the board of directors, won't we? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, who, okay. I mean, I, I've never seen the board of directors. I, I don't know. I don't know what it looked like. I don't know what their names are. All I know is that we have a board of directors who yeah. sort of oversee our output. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to get in touch with them if we want to do that. So. Yeah. Good point. Okay. We'll we'll put yeah. that to them and we'll we'll find out what they say. One more thing before we move on from Stu's message. Um, in his uh, Twitter biography, he rather enigmatically describes himself as an Ashford United FC record holder. Um, now, as a bit of a non-league fanatic, I'm very interested in this, Stu. Um, so when you get around to uh, hearing the episode, let us know specifically what record you hold at Ashford United FC, please, whether it's most appearances, most goals scored. Um, I would definitely like to know more. Please do let us know, mate. Some correspondence here on our What's the Most 90s Children's book. It's one, one message on our Instagram from 90s Nostalgia Nook, uh, a friend of ours on Instagram, who says simply, Harry McClary from Donaldson's Dairy. 
and I would is that a book or a character from a book Harry McClary is a very famous uh, children's book yeah I remember that uh, being around at primary school very much so yes there you go well that's uh, a good good bit of input on what's the most 90s children's author and also we asked a question what's the most 90s holiday destination some episodes back and we've had some correspondence on Instagram again uh, Ben Woodhouse says Disneyland Paris uh, before brother of the pod Adam corrects him and says I think you mean Euro Disney and that then descended into some uh, some unpleasantness which we won't go into now but of course for, for authenticity it should be Euro Disney but Ben Woodhouse it's a good shout definitely a very 90s holiday destination uh, friend of the pod Susie Thorpe says we never went abroad in the 90s it was always the five pound sun newspaper caravan holidays for us I guess my 90s destination would have to be Cornwall you know, nothing wrong with that. No, Our family, family destination in the 90s was very much Pembrokeshire. So, yeah, lovely stuff. And then, uh, well, here comes Brother the Pod again. After savaging Ben Woodhouse, he says of his own volition, how about following the herd down to Greece? Uh, brackets, looking for girls who want boys, who like boys to be girls, who do boys like their girls, who do girls like their boys. Which is, of course, a reference to a classic Blur song, mm-hmm. Girls and Boys. Oh, and finally, uh, Big Tim Parker, Legend of the Pod, says Ibiza or Ayanapa, which is a good shout. I think the end of the 90s into the early 2000s definitely was big for like Ayanapa and Ibiza with all that, the dance music generation and beginning of UK Garage and whatnot. So um, some great input there from everyone. I know that Big Tim was a regular visitor to those parts when he was 13 in the year 1999. So, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, he, he, he of course, uh, frequents the Ibiza event they hold at Bowood House in, in yes. West Year every mm-hmm. July, I believe. He's always down there in his fold-out chair with his glow sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says uh, I was a child in the 90s and attending a classic Ibiza event with a fold-up chair in tow, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I have some correspondence from regular correspondent and listener Tom Page. Now, this is something special, and I think this is going to start something which is going to be rolling on the podcast for episodes to come. Um, He quite simply has sent through a picture, uh, and I'm going to read to you what it says. Uh, It's a slip of paper, and it says at the top, The Clark's Shop, 25 Emery Gate, Chippen and Wiltshire. It goes on to give the address. And what we have, if you haven't already guessed, is a receipt from Clark's, the shoe shop, uh, from their Chippenham branch. And this is dated the 24th of December, 1996. So this is some late Christmas shopping going on in the Page household. He told me he found this. He found this in the bottom of the carrier bag that he keeps all of his other carrier bags in. He said so. So clearly yeah. this carrier bag has been around for a long time. Uh, the till assistant on the day was called Joyce Ives. And uh, whoever whoever was at the till uh, on that day spent £31.25, £30 on a pair of shoes and then £1.25 pence on a pair of insoles. Uh, and this is 11 minutes past 10 in the morning on Christmas Eve 1996. And it does say at the bottom, please keep your receipt. Uh, and it, they've stayed true to that for 27 years. Yeah. So there you go. Just in case those uh, those shoes need to go back, um, <laughs> we, we've got the paperwork. So, yeah. What I want to put to the listeners is this. What are your old receipts from the 90s? Have you got any hanging around? What did you buy? What were the prices like? Where did you go? What were the till assistants called? Because that's something else I think has died out is having the name of the assistant that served you printed on the receipt. 
You don't see that a lot anymore, I don't think. Um, So if anybody's got any receipts hanging around from the 90s, uh, please do take a picture, send them in. We would love to see those. I mean, we would love to see what's the oldest one we can get as well. If we can get one from January the 1st, 1990, absolutely superb. So, yeah, please do have a route around in your old carrier bags and uh, let us know what you find. That would be fantastic. We can uh, start a hashtag. 90s receipts and see if we can go viral it's, it's mm-hmm. about bloody time this podcast went viral uh, for the right reasons anyway um and also joyce ives if you're listening please do contact us and let us know how that transaction went if there were any memories yeah related to it and uh, how your christmas went um but yeah we, yeah. we definitely want your receipts so did you in. did you have to use that contraption for measuring the shoe size during the transaction did you have to get the foot in there and tighten it up with the little slide and yeah 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 so many details that we'd love to know more about. <laughs> i tell you what I'd like to know more details about, Alex. Oh, here we go. I've got one word for you. Yeah. Karagumi. Oh, don't. Shoot us down my spine. <laughs> oh, what now, I happened to see a little Facebook interaction over the weekend between yourself and your old languages teacher. Is that correct? Yes, it happened. I was contacted by a, a fellow alumni of Corsham School, year seven specifically carl thornhill sent me a video that's doing the rounds i think on instagram at the moment of an of a german sort of educational pop song presumably he remembered us doing it in class and then this reminded me of a, a song that we performed in year seven called Kaugummi, which is, of mm-hmm. course, German for chewing gum, which any year seven um, German class attendees will remember. <laughs> and it just, yeah, it took me back to a time when I was, well, love is a strong word. I was, I had a very strong, warm feelings towards my German teacher and also tutor. She was also our tutor, Miss Gutmann. Brian mm-hmm. Goodman, best teacher I have ever had. Very much my Mr. Bergstrom of uh, of school. And yes, she convinced us or some of us in the class to take part in a, I don't know what it was. It was some sort of showcase. I don't know if it was just related to languages. I think it was probably everything, but different people from year seven in different classes would perform different things in the school hall. It was an after school thing, an evening thing. So parents would have been there. She convinced us somehow I guess she convinced me because I just would do anything she said to perform a song called Kaugummi with full actions dressed up, each of us in a different color. I can still remember, well, the main action, which will not be any good on this audio podcast, but we did it. And uh, I've never quite shaken off the full body shudders that I had throughout it. And ever since um, it was just one of those things that, you know, you get swept up in when you're in year mm-hmm. seven and you're young and you're malleable and so you'll do whatever your favourite teacher says. So, yeah, it all came flooding back when I, I saw that original video posted by Kyle. And then, yeah, Miss Goodman herself did get in touch on Facebook and uh, just said hello, which was nice. Well, I mean, if Miss Goodman listens to the pod, uh, maybe we can ask her to, to make a guest appearance at some point and uh, we can have a little chat about teaching at Corsham School in the 90s. I mean, we've spoken often enough about being a pupil there uh, in the decades. So, so why not uh, Why not from the other side of it? Why not from the teaching side? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. get in touch, Brian, if you do listen. 
feels weird Cal- calling her Bryony. It's good. <laughs> Cowgummy. Cowgummy. Uh, Alan Morgan, Cowgummy. Cowgummy. How, how do you cow-gummy. know? <laughs> we're Alan Morgan, Cowgummy. You weren't there, were you? I did it in year seven as well, mate. Oh, okay, thank God. <laughs> there was also a song. Uh, hmm. Did you do Ich habe ein Pony? Oh, that sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah. Ich habe ein Pony. Ich habe zwei Pudel. Ich, I'll tell you what, Alex Mitchell's going to be going absolutely mad right now. <laughs> ich habe drei Hunde. Ich habe vier Katze. Yes, Ich yeah. habe fünf Fische. <laughs> ich habe sechs Vögel. Ich habe... Sieben, no, it's sieben Katzen. I don't know. I don't know what Veer is then. Sieben Katzen. Ich habe acht Kaninchen, which I think is budgies. Ich habe neun Mäuse. Ich habe sieben Listen, Mischleinchen. Ich habe elf, elf, oh, bollocks. What was eleven? Um, and it was then Zwölf. No, I don't. I can't remember eleven and twelve. Oh, that's a shame. Is, is that still in your set? Yeah, yeah, still doing that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just as a sound check, though, you know. Time now for What's the Most 90s. And Alex, this time, I want to know, and uh, when you're in the edit suite, when I do this, can you put an echo on my voice and can we have a thunderclap after I finish the sentence, please? Do you reckon you can manage that? I'll see what I can do. Okay. I would like to know, what is the most 90s act of God? Good question. I've been waiting for you to ask this actually because I have the answer already from before we even started doing this pod. I know the answer to this. I wouldn't be surprised if you have the same thing. Well, actually, I've gone for a general thing rather than a specific event, like a more like a, mm-hmm. a reoccurring act of God, because it, of course it's acid rain. Staple of geography lessons throughout the 90s. Textbooks replete with images of devastated forests in the, the northern hemisphere, um, but then seemingly just disappeared from the public consciousness and the, the, the political discourse sort of immediately after the 90s. So it, it literally feels like a 90s act of God, although I, I'm sure it was happening before. But that, so it, yeah, it really was 90s. And yeah, I had that, that's, that's it really. I don't have anything else to say. It's, it's nailed on for me, acid rain. Okay, well, I have gone for a singular event. Okay. And I want to take you back to the 2nd of April, 1990. And I want to talk to you about the Bishop's Castle earthquake, uh, which was the biggest to shake Britain for 100 years at the time. 5.1 on the Richter scale. Um, Now, if you can stomach the awful Shropshire Star website, which is close to being absolutely unreadable, (laughs) as are a lot of local news websites these days. I mean, Come on, guys. We just want to read the articles, please. Yeah, please sort it out. Um, There's a great article. um, I think it was written for um, the 30th anniversary uh, of the earthquake uh, a few years ago. Um, This is undoubtedly a serious event. Um, There were no deaths. Um, There weren't that many injuries. So um, so I'm comfortable talking about it here. Um, But looking at it and looking back at the pictures and, and reading about it, This is about as British an act of God as you could possibly get. If you look at the article I'm looking at, there are pictures of two garden sheds which were upended uh, during during the earthquake. And then uh, a little later down, uh, there's a picture of a Morris Marina um, with its uh, windscreen has been put through by some falling debris. Um, M-A-W-1-2-1-W. I did have a look. 
Uh, it was sold in August 1990 because a new a new uh, logbook owner picked it up then, and it survived until May 1993. So clearly, um, the car emerged unscathed from the from the smash windscreen and went on to have uh, a few more years on the road. Um, one of my favourite aspects of this whole thing is the fact that they called in the six foot seven inch town crier, a chap called Martin Wood, uh, who used his massive voice at the town hall to warn of dangers and give advice on public transport issues at the time. Um, so great to see the town crier getting involved. Um, as I said, there were no serious injuries. Um, it's uh, it's actually a really interesting read. Um, if you do uh, read through it, there was um, some fear that a, a newly finished shopping centre uh, might be damaged, but it looks like it was OK. Uh, Shrewsbury Railway Station was evacuated and train services were delayed for one hour. So there we go. And I mean, you get delayed for more than an hour for something a lot less than an earthquake oh, yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, so I have no hesitation in going for the Bishop's Castle earthquake as the most 90s act of God. Excellent. We've got a, a sort of two very different things there. One is an event. One is a general phenomena. So mm. I don't really want to have to pick between those two things. They, they do seem almost like different things. Can they yeah. both go in the ledger? Yeah. Can one be like... Act of God, brackets, specific, act of God, brackets, general. And then we can have both. I mean, it's going to have to go before the board of directors again. We've never had a score draw before. That's true. Yeah. Well, we can just put it on the agenda for their meeting, can't we? There's yeah, another yeah. thing on there. Yeah. So. yeah. This okay. is unprecedented. <laughs> to be confirmed. Alex, I've still got a few stories on my story roulette wheel here. Um, I've still got my biggest ever telling off at primary school. Uh, I've got our listener stats, which I've got waiting here to be examined, or I've got a few new uh, headings here. I've got the time I was almost killed on a zebra crossing. I've got Angus Deaton's one foot in the groin, or I've got Big Tim Parker getting covered in shit at my house at the weekend. <laughs> well, let's keep it topical. Let's have Big Tim Parker getting covered <laughs> in shit at your house at the weekend. Now, I know it's not a 90s event from my life in the 90s, uh, but it does involve a legend of the pod, Big Tim Parker, who uh, visited Casa del Joslin at the weekend in order to help me install, I say help me install, uh, in order so that I could watch him install um, a new uh, rainwater diverter for our water butt. Um, this connector that we had uh, previously hadn't been working very well. The water butt wasn't filling up. And there was actually some flooding from the guttering at the top when it rained really hard. So we suspected that the guttering was broken anyway. Um, but I consulted with Tim and I got hold of a new uh, diverter kit and he said, we'll start there and uh, and we'll see uh, how we go. He's very handy on these things. I'm very lucky to have him as a friend who will help me out. So he very carefully uh, sawed through the old rainwater diverter, which was really clamped into the downpipe quite hard, uh, pulled it free, removed it. And then at that moment was sprayed with two years worth of backed up rainwater, which was in the downpipe because the old rainwater diverter was actually blocked and therefore uh, not working properly. So and that also explains why the guttering was leaking at the top, because the downpipe was actually full and there was nowhere else for the water to go. So um, Big Tim, I, I don't know if you've seen the Father Ted episode where where Ted and Dougal get covered in uh, in raw sewage when the guy in the truck presses the wrong button. Um, <laughs> but that's exactly what it was like. I dived over a hedge to safety, uh, but Big Tim <laughs> took it like a man. And, uh, and what can I say? Just a, a great guy in the face of adversity, finished the job without so much as a murmur and went home to watch the American football. 
Um, so I just wanted to place on record my thanks to Big Tim for doing that. And everything out there is now working faultlessly. Fantastic. Big Tim Parker available for all your DIY and slapstick needs. <laughs> Reasonable rates. He's under our umbrella now, so he's he's working for us. Yeah, yeah we, we take a cut of anything that he earns as a... Yeah. As, as a sort of odd job man, yeah. Time to get on with the main topic at hand now then. So as mentioned earlier, we will be talking about CITV, but we have a specific approach that we're going to use for this episode. Stu, a avid viewer of CITV back in the day, whereas I was a CBBC diehard through and through. So with the demise, the very sad demise of CITV uh, recently this year, Stu has decided or taken it upon himself to try and convince me why CITV was at least as good as, if not better than CBBC, and convert me into a fellow CITV devotee. So, Stu, I think you've got your work seriously cut out here. I won't, <laughs> won't lie. I won't sugarcoat it. But I am I'm open. So what have you got to say for yourself? Well, I've been thinking about the best way to approach this, and I thought I could just take a whistle-stop tour through the big hitters from CITV in the 90s, your Art Attacks, your Zaps, your Sabrina the Teenage Witches, your Fun Houses. But I feel like that's been done. So what I wanted to do was um, just take you through what a regular afternoon would have been watching CITV. I pick a random uh, day from the 90s, random weekday afternoon, have a look at what was on that day, and then take you through my memories of those programmes, try and convince you that it was it was worth the while. So what I've done is I've gone for as close to the middle of the decade as I could. So these are the programmes from Wednesday, the 12th of July, 1995. And I want to thank the good people at the TV and radio database for providing the listings that I've used. Um, but before we get into this, Alex, you said you were a CBBC diehard. Was there any room for CITV in your life at all? Uh, I just want to know before we start, what sort of level of, of knowledge you're at really you know did, did you was there any time when you switched over to the other side for a particular program or was it not allowed well having looked up a little bit of the history of CITV in preparation for this episode I have realized I definitely did watch some CITV because there were some programs I've got a couple here that I'll maybe talk about in a little bit but there were definitely some programs that I watched quite regularly I'd say so I must have switched it over we would have the radio times at our home so we could see, you know, what was on at different times and, and plan that way. So I must have watched it. Yeah, I think it was probably 80, 20 in favour of CBBC. Mm. Oh, if I was going to guess um, all these years later. So, yeah, I, I definitely did watch it a little bit. OK, so we're not starting from a position of uh, complete ignorance. then. That's no. OK. There, there is I think there is some room in your heart for it. That's all right. then. So. Wednesday, the 12th of July, 1995, as I said, and in the same way as CBBC worked, um, the afternoon would run with programmes aimed at younger children, first running through the afternoon and ending up with a programme at the end, which was aimed at really sort of preteen uh, children, I would uh, I would estimate. Um, so we've got a, a real gamut of programmes to run through here. I've got so much to talk about. I'm really looking forward to this. So first up on Wednesday, the 12th of July, 1995, was Alphabet Castle. Now, do you remember Alphabet Castle? No, I don't think so. You don't? No. OK. So this uh, concerned a, a castle in the sky called Alphabet Castle. 
uh, with two main characters, Old King Alpha and Young Queen Bet. And I watched them on YouTube and the theme tune came back to me straight away. As soon as I saw it, I was able to, to sing it word for word. I remember that the melody, the tune, everything, despite not having seen it for, for about 25 years. Is it a castle in the air? No, it's a castle here and there. Flags are flying, plain to see. Alphabet castle, A, B, C. So even though I would have been sort of coming up for, for seven years old by then, I was clearly still spending a lot of time watching things like Alphabet Castle, but but that's fine. Maybe I was just a late developer. Uh, I don't know. Um, and from the title of the programme, we can surmise that every episode was focused on a different letter of the alphabet. So, uh, you know, they would go around talking about things beginning with O or, oh, I've got to make a supper, but they have to be, all the ingredients have to begin with the letter C. What have we got? Well, we've got carrots, we've got cinnamon, things like that. So a real gentle start to the afternoon with Alphabet Castle. Yeah, which I have uh, I have fond memories of. I seem to remember there being in the playground, did we maybe change the lyrics to the theme tune to something more subversive? I can't remember. Um, I seem to remember doing that. I, I don't know. Matco, Joe Barter, uh, Letters of the Pod, Joe Barter might know. Um, so if, if you yeah, sorry. Uh, I was just to say, I'm concerned about the, the the two main characters you said were old king something and young queen. Old king, old king Alpha and young queen Bet. Now this only really works with young queen Bet, doesn't it? I mean, King Alpha is you know. I mean, who's who's that? Oh, I see. What's, yeah. What sort of a name is that? Oh, you just got it, right? I've only just got it. Yeah. <laughs> my, my issue was more to do with the age difference and, and the classic, uh, the classic trope of you like tv execs not liking older women on screen and therefore leading men being older and leading women being much younger even if they're supposed to be like in a relationship or something and this sounds like an early example of that early i mean age-wise i'm not sure about the relationship status i think having watched them back recently the king was played by a younger actor who had been made to look older um, so I think the actors were probably around the same age at the time. OK, I'm more worried about the, the characters than the actors, but that's fair enough. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe the king and the queen were of different realms and they were both. They weren't in a relationship. They were just possibly. Uh, Although the more I think about it, there, there has to be some sort of subtext, doesn't there? Which I yeah. probably missed when I was watching this in back in 95. So maybe there's a, a YouTube deep dive coming on here. We'll have to go behind the scenes. <laughs> I didn't even get the the pun on their name, so I was never going to get anything (laughs) subversive going on. I mean, that is pretty much unforgivable, I have to be honest with you. I just thought that was their names. (laughs) Bet was a weird name, but there you go. So I'm going to move on then. Uh, So Alphabet Castle finishes, and these are all 10-minute episodes. Alex is just blowing his nose. We'll just wait for him to uh, finish (laughs) there. Have you got any bronchial balsam by any chance? There's some in the downstairs toilet. That's where we keep all the. Uh, that's where we keep all the medicine. I'll, I'll go and grab some for you later. Although, what good that would do you? I'm not sure. I'd have to post it to you, wouldn't I? Just seeing um, it would be enough. Yeah, that's probably out of date. Right. So, um, these are all 10-minute uh, programs, by the way, until we get on to to some of the later ones. So, um, we're going on now to the first big hitter I'm going to talk about, which is Wizardora. Now, How Wizardora. We her? Exactly. You're the one who can brighten up our day. We adore her, we adore her, doing things in her very 
There you go. Absolutely fantastic. So we're on a surer footing with Wizardora than we were with Alphabet Castle. I can tell straight away. Yeah. Wonderful. So I really used to enjoy this. And what I found out um, when doing a bit of reading up before the episode, and funnily enough, considering what we've been talking about uh, in the intro to the pod, is that Wizardora was originally conceived as an English learning tool for German children. Uh, okay. So that was how it was originally used. And then it, it morphed into... Uh, the program that we know and love. Um, it was actually developed by Connie Booth from from Forty Towers, uh, okay. who played who played Polly in Forty Towers, and who actually wrote some some later episodes as well, which I had no idea about there being a a connection between one of the greatest sitcoms of all time and Wizardora. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen it, it concerns the daily uh, doings of Wizardora, the trainee wizard, um, and her many friends. Chief of which is Tatty Bogle, the Scarecrow, who is liable to a spoonerism uh, now and again. So he'll get his uh, get his letters mixed up on the starts of his words. And when I think about Tatty Bogle, I think of the couple of years I spent whenever my mum and dad had occasion to visit a DIY store or hardware store. Uh, and, and I was there. I would immediately go and try and find the replacement mop heads and then come back and pretend to be Tatty Bogle with a with a mop head nice. holding a mop head over my over my greasy scalp. So I'm sure whoever eventually bought that um, was really. I mean, at least you're using a brand new mop head, not <laughs> true, not true, yeah, just yeah. lying around on the top. <laughs> um, there were a couple of other characters I'd forgotten about: um, Phoebe, the talking telephone, and Hangle, both of whom are frightening i've got to be honest with you <laughs> so so phoebe is a pink anthropomorphic uh talking telephone of the analog uh type and then uh, hangle is a a walking talking coat hanger basically who is in charge of, of hanging up wizardora's magic cloaks um so it, it was good to make their acquaintance again yeah i mean of all the things that i wouldn't want to be talking the telephone would be number one i think Mm, yeah, because yeah. you're trying to talk to someone else on the other end of the line and the telephone's bloody interrupting every five minutes <laughs> trying to talk to you i mean yeah no it can't, it can't have been good it, it would probably only work in some sort of magical kingdom really wouldn't it that's the only yeah. place it could work um yeah very very annoying but no i loved wizardora and uh obviously the theme tune is uh is an absolute classic as well um so when this came up in the listing that i looked at i was i was really very pleased um so Alphabet Castle, sort of mediocre start, but then I think we're really getting into our stride now with Wizardora, and it's one that you remember as well, yeah. um, which is which is really good for me in my quest to get you to recognise CITV uh, as one of the greats. We then move on, and there is an intermission for a Warner Brothers cartoon. Now, it doesn't say which Warner Brothers cartoon it was, but any Warner Brothers cartoon is a good Warner Brothers cartoon, am I right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so there would have been an intermission here, just just a little gap, um, which was filled by by a five-minute, six-minute Warner Brothers cartoon, which is always welcome. And I keep saying this on the podcast, and I'm, I'm getting bored of myself, but you don't see cartoons being used as filler on the TV anymore, and we're worse off for it. Who wouldn't want to now see, say, you know, the BBC News at 6 finishes at 6.55, the one show comes on at seven, five minutes, Sylvester and Tweety. Yeah. 
I would love that. And you know why it is? It's because they've just filled them all with like eye dents and trailers yeah, for coming, yeah. coming programs that take up at least five minutes. Whereas back in the day, it would just be a still, wouldn't it? It'd be a still from <laughs> at eight o'clock. It's Phil Mitchell's getting wanged down the hole in Walford. <laughs> and it'd just be an image of Phil yeah. and Grant having an argument. And then it would say like 8 p.m. Grant like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that would take. That won't like, work on audio, but that I just won't work on audio. Should have Grant done a screen grab. Drive. Driving the car into the into the tent. Sorry, mate. Carry on. Um, but that would take like yeah, ten seconds or something, and then they can move on and show the cartoon. But now they're showing like two and a half minutes of the next episode of Race Around the World that gives away all the good bits. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're, like you say, we're far worse off for it. Another thing to add to the campaign list: bring yeah. back cartoons where there's a gap in the schedule. Less eye dents, more cartoons. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now we're really getting into our stride here. So we've had we've had Wizardora, we've had the Warner Brothers cartoon, and now we come to Sooty and Co. Hey ho, it's Sooty and Co. Everybody say hello. There's Sooty and Sweep, a panda called Sue, little cousin Scampy too. Now this was a massive, massive favourite for me at this time. Uh, it's probably my favourite programme on the schedule that we're going to talk about today. The one at the end runs it a close second, but I think it has to be Sooty. Um, and this is the incarnation of Sooty where Matthew Corbett and the gang are running a bric-a-brac shop in Manchester. And uh, lots of, obviously, uh, hilarious things happen while they're trying to run the shop around them. Uh, famous faces would always stop by. I remember Jack D being in one episode and they spent the whole episode trying to get Jack D to laugh because even then he had a a reputation as being a very dour man, um, even though he was yeah. one of the greatest uh, stand-up comedians of the 90s, a very, very dour man. And um, I think if memory serves me, I haven't seen this since the time, but they finally get him to crack up by um, just custard pieing him, just, just throwing a custard pie into his face. And that's what finally gets him to laugh. um i also believe that sweep is one of the greatest uh comedy creations of the last hundred years i genuinely believe that i I think sweep is mvp of of any sooty program and i I will happily die on that hill it's a massive hill to die on i'll give you that it's a big (laughs) statement but i can't think of anyone better so i just love sweep and while he is the mvp i have to ask you what are your thoughts on Little Cousin Scampy? I'm oh, not a fan. I was never a fan of those sort of characters. Those kind of was he a later edition? He was. He was like a. Was he introduced in that specific iteration? Yes. Of so he was oh, yeah. the Scrappy Doo of yeah. uh, of Sooty. Yes. Yeah, they're sort of irritating characters in real life, and they're irritating characters in, you know, fiction and TV and mm-hmm. whatnot. So, I wasn't a big fan. No. Uh, how about you? Um, I, I don't suppose I minded him at the time. I, I can see why they wanted to add a sort of mischievous schoolboy character to the mix. Um, but, you know, I mean, when you think about the programme, I don't think you remember Scampy unless you actually think about it. It's it's Sooty, Sweep and Sue, isn't it? And uh, and, yeah. and, and, and that's it. And that's that's there the way it shall be. But no, really enjoyed uh, Sooty and Co. I think they did a programme called Sooty Heights when Sooty and Co finished, which was the gang running a hotel. Um, but I never really got on with that. Sooty and Co was where it where it ended for me. Um, I then went back and uh, I got a couple of VHSs of the original 
Sooty Show. I say the original show, like the show from the 80s, um, from a cousin of mine who had them. And they had guest stars like Duncan Goodhue and Jeff Capes, Bonnie Langford, people like that. And I watched those over and over again as well and really enjoyed those. Although I used to be a bit scared of Jeff Capes, it has to be said. <laughs> well, yeah, no shame in that. He's terrifying. Exactly, exactly. Well, you've really, you've hit your stride big time now. You, you're, well, you're a full gallop. Thank you very much. Well, it, it might come to a crashing halt here. Because speaking of being terrified, I now have to talk about a show which I can't remember watching. And it was probably because I thought it was it was too scary for me. Um, and it's a show called Tales of the Crypt Keeper. Tales from the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> which is a Canadian cartoon. Uh, and it was based on the American program, obviously, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, heavily sanitised version consumption of children obviously, um, it's a children's cartoon interestingly, uh, it was cancelled in Canada on the 10th of December 1994, which was my 6th birthday, so a little bit of a link there, um, but still being shown here the following summer, so clearly ITV still have the rights to some episodes yeah, and it's as it sounds, it's an animated version of um, stories from from Tales from the Crypt um, which I don't really remember. I can't remember if my my mum, you know, didn't let me watch it because she thought I'd be too sensitive. I don't know. Um, but it's not one I can remember an awful lot about. So I would like to, in this slot, if I could, talk about a different American import programme to CITV, which I did really enjoy, if I could. And that's the only time I'm going to deviate here. Oh, that's um, fair enough. But I feel like I've got grounds to do that. So CITV did have... Um, shows from from america and canada quite regularly they would buy them in sabrina the teenage witch being probably the the biggest and most well known of those um but one that i really enjoyed and it's a character that we've spoken about before i think i uh, chose it as my favorite series of children's books it's the garfield and friends cartoon ladies and gentlemen garfield and friends friends are the to help you get started to give you a push on your way which I, I really, really enjoyed. I was a big fan of Garfield at the time. Uh, I still am. And uh, there was a, an extra cartoon in there called Orson's Farm, which they I think they created uh, especially for the for the TV program, um, which just concerned uh, a load of farm animals living on a farm. And their leader was a pig called Orson, um, which I also really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, the Garfield and Friends cartoon was always one I looked out for just because I was a big fan of, of Garfield in any case. And then that then saddled my dad with the unenviable job of reading my Garfield books and annuals to me, but doing the voices of the characters from the cartoon, <laughs> which he wasn't altogether great at. And I will let him listen to this and, and get in touch with us and, and let us know what he thinks of my summation of that, or even if he remembers it, I don't know. But if we need to talk about an American import, I would go for Garfield and Friends, definitely. Nice one, yeah. I think I, I can sort of hear Garfield's voice from that. Um, so I must remember, I must have watched it. And I would have done, because I did have Garfield books. I, I was a fan of myself. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm definitely happy for you to substitute that in. I, I would probably have switched over myself for that. So Thank I'm you. All for it. I think the format used to be there'd be a Garfield cartoon, then an Orson's Farm, and then another Garfield. So I think there were three like sort of three or four minute cartoons in the program. Yeah. 
with a with an Orson's farm in the middle. Um, so yeah, no, really used to like that. So then we move on to the final program in the CITV transmission for today, um, and this was up there again at the top of my list, and it's uh, it's how to. I'm really glad we get to talk about how to. I don't think it gets enough credit how to. I've got to be honest. And the episode I watched uh, on YouTube when when having a look back was right in that 90s pomp of the program. It had been running for a long time by then. And Fred Dynage had been on it since the start, I think. It had been running since the 1970s, I think. I think um, the 60s. Yeah, the it, one, a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, was, it had already been on TV for sort of 25 years at least by then. We've got TV's own Mr. Comb over Fred Dynage. We've got uh, Gareth Gaztop Jones in his massive earring and Carol Vorderman in her absolute countdown prime uh, in the, and the studio was just a complete white sort of void. There was no backdrop. They had props around them to demonstrate the uh, the things that they were going to, they were going to show. Um, but it was just in the sort of how to void um, that they presented the show from. Um which was excellent. I really enjoyed watching that again. One of the elements of the programme that I'd forgotten about and it stirred a memory was that when I watched the credits, there are, as the credits roll, on one half of the screen, there are the credits for the programme. And then on the other half of the screen, there are text boxes that go past really quickly while the captions are running. And the idea was that if you wanted to know more about or be reminded of how to do the things that were shown in the program you could record the program watch it back and then pause yeah. on the correct caption and read it, read it read yeah. it later on yeah 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 so so that was all there um the memory it stirred in me was that i once watched a how to episode after school and there was something on there that i was really interested in and wanted to record the details of so i rushed and found a, a tape any tape um put it in recorded it and later found out that my dad had recorded like a two hour uh, James Bond documentary that had been on ITV the night before on there that he was really looking forward to watching oh, that no. evening. Oh, and, no. I, and I'd recorded about two minutes of how to over it. It was presented <laughs> by Jonathan Ross. I remember that much. Um, and he was very, very upset about that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I found out how to make the bottle rocket or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> and, to, and probably never even did after all that. <laughs> So again, sorry, Dad, for that. Um, now, I sent you a link before the recording. Yes, you did. Because there were a couple of incidental points that came out of my research of how to that I wanted you to uh, focus on and, and give me your response to. So the first thing actually is not related to how to at all. It's an advert. The video that I watched had the adverts and continuity left in there, which is really what we're interested in here. It will be all right in the 90s HQ to get that full picture of how it went out on the day. And there was an interesting advert there that I'd never seen before. um, And I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, so, So press play when you're ready and let me know what you think. Every year, hundreds of young men endure countless hours of deadly, tedious, mind-numbing boredom. 
But for the next few weeks, Snickers offer you the chance to win one of a thousand pairs of Adidas Predators, the football boots that give you more power, more swerve and more control. So please, check out a Snickers bar today. And maybe scenes like this will be a thing of the past. So it's a Snickers advert, a Snickers advert in which you can win a pair of Adidas Predators. Am I right? I know, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's a, I've never seen it before myself, I don't think. No, that, I know. And that the the goalkeeper is a young Matthew McFadden, isn't it? From uh, from Succession, one of the most famous actors in the world now. Is it really? Yeah, that's him, isn't it? <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. I thought it was Charlie Brooker to begin with. <laughs> I, I didn't know it was somebody even more famous than that, with apologies to Charlie Brooker. It, it, <laughs> it, it is Matthew McFadden. For wow. sure. We'll put a, we'll we'll put this on. Uh, we'll put a link to it at least in the episode description. Something I've also been doing recently with the last episode, viewers may have noticed this. I have actually started putting some videos into the YouTube version of the episode, mm-hmm. so I'll put it in there as well. If you're watching that, open up that window as you listen, and you'll see it. But uh, yeah, that's a a great advert with a huge. Hollywood actor in, <laughs> in his early days. Amazing. Um, the other thing is towards the end of the video, and we are actually talking about how to now. So if you go to 26 minutes and 12 seconds. So this is the portion of the episode we were just talking about where the credits roll, but also you have the captions coming up, giving you further information about the things that have been discussed in the programme. But what I want you to do and we will actually play this in on the episode as well for the benefit of the listeners. I want you to listen to the voiceover by the continuity announcer. And that's how for now. Two, three, four. Take your breath. Hey, on last week's episode of How To, we suggested that it's the custom in some Arab countries to burp as a sign of appreciation after a meal. Uh, we now accept that although widely reported, this is actually untrue. Sorry about that. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> what can you say? It's, I like that they, they're honest and they're, they yeah. made a mistake and they can hold their hands up and say, look, we made a dreadful mistake about um, part of the world, a, a different culture mm. in the Middle East. Absolutely. It's, it's good to see uh, how to owning up to their mistakes, definitely. And, uh, and we're very proud of them for that. Yeah. Good, honest kids TV. What more could you ask for? And there, there it ends. That is the schedule for Wednesday, the 12th of July, 1995, over and done with on CRTV. So to recap, we began with Alphabet Castle, moved on to Wizardora. Then we went to the Warner Brothers cartoon, Sooty and Co, Tales from the Crypt Keeper, and then finally, How To. So I think that's a really good range of programmes there. Um, I know that there are going to be a few that you want to speak about from your own memories that we haven't discussed here because of the way that we've structured the episode. So give us a flavour of your favourites from from CITV in the 90s. Well, I had three here and the number one I had on my list was how to, because, I mean, you've said so much already. I I don't want to repeat you, but it was definitely one of the programmes I switched over for. Fred Dynage, uh, who I always mixed up with Fred Dibner, I think maybe Britain, <laughs> Britain's most famous steeplejack, always mixed them up. But Fred Dynage was a fantastic, it is a fantastic TV presenter, he's still with us. But I just perfectly straddled that line between 
education and entertainment, didn't yeah. it? I bet parents loved this because it was so easy to watch. Just watching an episode, I was watching the first ever episode of How To from 1990 uh, before we started recording tonight. And it is, I mean, it's hard to stop watching because it's just so, it's just snappy and the presenters are great mm-hmm. and what they're talking about is really fascinating. It's like a kid's version of QI kind of, but yeah, even snappier than that. Um, so I, I do recommend viewers go and have a look on YouTube and, and just find the random episode because you will you'll be entertained and educated even as mm-hmm. as an adult. So go and check it out. So that that would have been one I was going to talk about. I said earlier that How To doesn't get the credit it deserves, and I didn't really say why when I started talking about the episode, but I think you've just summed it up perfectly there. So thank you for that. Uh, the second program I want to talk about was Woof. This ran from 1989 to 1997, so full 90s. And I was really surprised that this wasn't CBBC because I did watch this all the time. And I just assumed it was children's BBC, but it wasn't. It was CITV. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't remember a huge amount about the storylines, but the premise is it's a boy who will turn into a dog at random moments uh, throughout his day. It was just a great premise, a fun premise, you know. One, one of those things where you think, what would what would it be like? A little bit like uh, Bernard's Watch or all those sort of things where you put yourself in the position of the main character. So I definitely enjoyed that. And then the third program I want to talk about is Finders Keepers from 1991 to 96. A really big CITV program, I think, presented by Neil Buchanan, Mm -hmm. one of the best kids presenters of his era, for sure. So this was a game show where kids had to ransack a a house, like a prop house, to find clues to win prizes. I think almost anyone of our age would have watched it. I think there's an American version as well. I can't remember what it's mm-hmm. called, but people, viewers from across the pond will, will also have seen a, their own version of it. This sort of sums up CITV for me, I think, because it was, it felt slightly dangerous. It was dangerous television because it was, it felt like TV for the naughty kids almost. It was, it was doing something that you would get into massive trouble for doing, but you always sort of secretly would like to do, which is just ransack in your house. Like, throwing everything <laughs> everywhere without care in the world and just going crazy basically and it did it unsettled me it did make me feel almost uncomfortable a bit intimidated i think because i was such a shy quiet kid at school who was terrified of the naughty kids and this was like a program for the naughty kids it was a program that was naughty kids just trashing a house you know <laughs> so it felt weird like i've it was probably the sort of thing my parents didn't want me to watch um but they obviously didn't stop me because i did see it every now and again it was like the tv equivalent of just eating as many sweets as you can and it kind of it was like dazzling to witness but it felt yeah like it i shouldn't be watching it so it was i think a good representation of itv and how i viewed itv at the time but it was it was like Funhouse. It was just you desperately yearned to be doing that mm. and to, to be on it. So so that they were my three. And of course, you've chosen how to already because it was so good. If you were ever lucky enough to get on a programme like Finders Keepers or Funhouse, I suppose the closest BBC relation to that would be something like Get Your Own Back, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But you really won the jackpot as a, as a kid if you've, uh, if you've got onto one of those shows, haven't you? I mean, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Just uh, one thing on Woof. I hope that kid grew out of that and it stopped happening because, you know, if I'm 
at Leeds LMR Services, just about to come off the motorway with my wife of the pod in the car, and then I suddenly turn into a Labrador. Can you yeah. imagine the havoc that would cause? No. So, yeah, we, we can't have that, can we? No. The airport motorway is getting closures left, right and centre enough as it is without <laughs> drivers getting turned into uh, Labradoodles and whatnot. <laughs> One thing I quickly wanted to say that I didn't like about CITV was um, Tots TV and Rose and Jim. Both of those programmes did my head in. The, char- <laughs> the characters I could not get on board with at all. And Rose and Jim, the theme tune still comes into my head about once every 48 hours. So that's the reason to dislike it. But Sailing along on the old ragdoll. <laughs> well, I, I have a friend called Tim, Big Tim Parker, and also another friend called Stephen Rose, who we all call Rosie. So it was too easy at school to sing the theme tune, <laughs> Rosie and Tim, uh, to that. <laughs> I've never thought of that. That's brilliant. It's good, yeah. But it, the, the theme tune, it was such an earworm. But oh, the characters just, I was not into them at all. The time, Tots TV, good God. Um, but I don't want to be too negative. Uh, so they were just my my quick downers to CITV that I wanted to throw in there. Just before we finish, one brief mention of the time that I wrote in to a CITV programme, hoping to be invited to take part. Um, and this was to a, a short-lived program called Sticky, which was on on a Friday afternoon. And this was when, in the later 90s, when CITV began putting shows like Sticky. There was one called Delicious. The most famous one is probably Mad For It, which was hosted by a guy called Mike McLean. And it was like a Friday oh, yeah. afternoon sort of talent contest, gunging, but also features and competitions. Like a Saturday morning show, but on a Friday afternoon, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, on Sticky, one of the presenters um, one Friday did like an obstacle course where he uh, climbed over some things and uh, jumped on a rope and smashed through some sugar glass and uh, did some barrel rolls and then did all this stuff. And I desperately wanted to, to have a go on that obstacle course. So I wrote into the program asking to be allowed to try it. And they did write back to me and they sent me a, a sticky sticker. So I got a sticker with the uh, with the logo of the of the yeah. program. But I can't find any evidence of the program on the Internet anywhere. I mean, there's, there's nothing on YouTube. Um, oh, there's not a lot comes up when you just just use uh, search engines to search for it. So if anybody out there remembers sticky um, with Jez Edwards, I think was one of the presenters who we might have mentioned before on the pod. Um, but please let me know if, if you remember sticky as well. We've come to the end of our mini CITV odyssey. And I need to know, Alex, have I done enough to convince you that CITV is is worthy? I mean, you know what, Stu? I, th- I think you probably have, to be honest. I can't. It would just feel wrong, I think, to say I hadn't changed my mind to some extent, at least. I think CITV is, you know, you've. I think you've argued, argued your case supremely well and... It's made me want to watch a number of programs that you've referenced and, and seek out some more, dig around on YouTube and watch some more episodes of some of these programs. So, yeah, to be honest, I think I think you've done it. I think CITV is is, is in my good books. I'm not going to say it's better than CBBC. I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not even going to say it's as good as. But I would happily spend an afternoon, you know, flicking between the two. I would flick between the two. And that's more than I thought going into this episode. So I think you've done a good job. Well, if it's gone up in your estimation, then I can only say that I'm happy with my evening's work. And uh, maybe it's something we can come back to. Well, I'll tell you what's true. I have a proposal for you and the listener. 
we always want your input on this so we can disregard it the one i <laughs> i think i should dig out the cbbc schedule for the same week mm-hmm. the 12th of july 1995 and i'll do exactly what you've just done but cbbc and then we can compare directly our two kids channels and see what comes out on top yes please i am up for that good it's settled well that wraps up our court case on whether citv was as good as cbbc and i think we have been i don't know were you acquitted or were you (laughs) a successful defense i don't know well i mean that's the same thing isn't it uh yes you're right it is we uh was i prosecuted or were you acquitted i don't know one of those things i think citv was acquitted i think we need to see confused things <laughs> i have that's not likely <laughs> right well that that wraps it up anyway uh it was well argued and we have a good result and we've also just had an idea just born out of it so it's nice when content just you know bursts out of an existing idea yeah, comes out of the 90s atmosphere and uh, lands in our laps. So, yeah, no, really looking forward to doing that, mate. And thank you for listening to my case and, and being uh, being open-minded to the evidence I put before you. I'm sort of wishing we had made more of the court case sort of analogy and added in some amusing sound effects here and there of, like, gavels and stuff. But, you know, you live and you learn. Maybe we can do that for the CBBC one. Well, why don't you do that anyway? And then the listeners will realise why we've done it when they get to this part of the episode. That's true. This is world of post-production, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, I'll see if I can be bothered. <laughs> if, you, if you were a big fan of CITV back in the day and you have some thoughts on it, you know, your favourite programmes, anything we've missed out, something you would put in the case for the prosecution or defence or whatever it is, um, then please do let us know in the usual places. You can find all our social media links on our link tree, which is linked to below. So please do get in touch. Of course, you can get in touch about anything else we've talked about ever on this podcast or give us any ideas for what's the most 90s or anything like that. So please do get in touch. For the next episode, we're hoping to piggyback on the Juggernaut, which is the Beckham documentary on Netflix at the moment. Um, We are going to do an episode on Beckham and the Beckhams as a family with uh, returning guests, we hope, Kate Pro, Legend of the Pod Kate Pro. Mm -hmm. And that promises to be an exciting episode with plenty of 90s pop references and sports references and all those sort of things. So that should be a good one. Brilliant. And while we're talking football, just before we go, it's a big hello to our latest uh, social media follower, Colin the Braveheart Hendry himself. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. Premier League winner. Fantastic. He played in the World Cup against Brazil. I mean, for goodness sake, neither of us have done that, have we? No, 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 no. I scored a couple of goals in the Chippenham and District Sunday Football League, but that's about as far as it goes. Eat that, Colin Hendry. <laughs> if you're listening, Colin, um, we would obviously love to, to have you on. So uh, please do get in touch. Absolutely, yes. But until next time, when we will be curling it around the wall from 25 yards with our Adidas Predator boots on... It's goodbye from me. I'm just off to dig out the bronchial balsam to uh, ease my uh, (laughs) obvious cold that I'm trying to disguise poorly. It's goodbye from me. I'm just off to find a mop head so I can pretend to be Tatty Bogle like I did all those years ago. Come into our social media channels before you know it. (laughs) Cheerio. Tatty bye.
like here it'll be right in the 90s hq to get that full i am recovering from a cold it seems to be uh, coming back as this episode goes on it's that dusty 1995 how soon (laughs) exactly Um, 